Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of the Creative Manifestation Podcast. I have another really wonderful conversation on tap for you today, and that pun is totally intended because I am speaking with Gina Steinhauser, who is the founder and the CEO of the Swiss Kombucha Company. I first met Gina and her partner, Ed, who is also working with the company, a little over a year ago. And I think they're just two completely awesome and inspiring human beings. And they approach their work with just so much integrity and so much love And I remember when I was speaking to them a year ago, when I first met them at a friend's birthday party, I remember already then feeling just so inspired by listening to them speak about their work. So now that I'm creating this podcast, I thought that having Gina on the show would be really wonderful and would add a lot of value to all of you who are listening. So just to give you a little bit of background on Gina, her life looked very different before she started the Swiss Kombucha Company. She got an MBA and worked in sales and HR for quite a while. And creating kombucha began as a passion and a hobby for her. And it was really thanks to a combination of her savvy business brain some amazing research that she did, which she'll talk about in our conversation, and also a few fortunate twists of fate that she manifested this passion into a successful business and a full-time job. And I just find her story incredibly inspiring, and I think you will too, so I really look forward to you listening to it. Um... And other than that, one thing that I still want to mention before we dive into the conversation is that if you live in Switzerland or you just happen to be passing through here, I highly recommend locating a bottle of their booch so you can try it for yourself Um, on their website, which is SwissKombuchaCompany.ch. They have a little map, a little locating tool so you can find the location nearest you that sells their kombucha. I have to say, it is hands down the best kombucha that I've ever tried. And the quality and the purity of the ingredients is second to none. Um, They use organic and local whenever possible and don't add any sugar or preservatives. It's really a beautiful and special product. So highly recommend trying that. And other than that, may you enjoy this beautiful conversation with Gina Steinhauser. Right now, I'm actually sipping on your raspberry ginger kombucha, which you so kindly gifted to me. (laughs) And (laughs) which I have to say is one of my favorite flavors. I honestly. Which one's your ultimate favor? I think my ultimate favorite is the, um, oh gosh, I hope I'm going to get this right, is the elderflower mint, lime mint. Yeah. That one is like by about 3% our best seller. So you're in good company. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. 
Yeah, I think also the elderflower just kind of reminds me of my childhood, and I feel like it's something that is quite um, is quite connected to Switzerland. Yeah, um, we've had a lot of feedback that said that. Although there have been also a lot of people who have said that in their youth they were given elderflower syrup that had been overcooked and over fermented, I guess, like left out for too long. So they're entirely put off by it. These weird things you learn about people's histories and their childhood experiences just by giving them a taste of something new. <laughs> Takes them back so to the good old days. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm, I'm only familiar with the elderflower syrup. So your family never made it themselves when you were growing up? Mm-mm, no. Or maybe my grandma did, but I don't think she ever left it out too long or something. Okay. Like <laughs> she was experienced. <laughs> she wasn't just doing it on the weekends, yeah. typically kind of a lady. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is really, that's, uh, see, I, I love it. We're only like two minutes into this conversation and you already shared a really interesting fun fact with me. <laughs> I can tell you all about Swiss taste. That's what I've been learning about for the last 18 months is Swiss taste and Swiss taste experiences. Well, I mean, you are the Swiss kombucha company, so that would make sense. It would. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So the Swiss kombucha company has officially has been official for about a year. Is that is that accurate? About 18 months. Um, I believe we started April of last year of 2019. Okay, so 18 months. And um, I know right before that you were in an intensive research period. And I know before that your your life looked very different. So I'd love to hear about what you were doing before you created the Swiss Kombucha Company and then what gave you the inspiration and how you um, manifested the life that you're living now. Yeah, you know, from a young age, I've always loved doing sales and I've always been semi-obsessed with food. I used to love watching my mom cook and she tricked me into believing I made the best salad dressing. So that was always my job in the kitchen. I was every (laughs) evening in charge of making salad dressings. I I understand now how manipulative in a very good way my mother could be and I'm learning from her in that (laughs) regard. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it always um, made me interested in food. And when I was in university, I just absolutely adored watching the food network and when I had my first apartment to myself in my own kitchen I would always cook for my roommates and it was such a hobby for me um but during that time I was also always doing sales uh and then eventually um I you know graduated from university was working in DC for a few years and um decided I needed to get on with the next step of my life at first I thought that was law school but but just but decided, no, I'm, I'm more a problem solver than a problem finder, which is kind of how I categorized anything to do with law was more, you know, finding issues. Um, mm-hmm. And so I decided to do an MBA in Switzerland and moved here and then got a job in sales uh, working for Hilti. And the funny thing was that when I left Hilti, I had um, a direct boss who he and I did not see eye to eye at all. Um, Mm -hmm. and when I left, his advice to me was that I should really do something in food, which completely put me off the idea. 100%. He was like, yeah, you know, I can really see you doing very well in food and beverage, doing something in that world. So of course, because I just did not value this person's opinion at all, 
did not like him as a human being. I was like, that is the last thing on the planet I will be doing. Like, it's, he doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand that you know, food and beverage is a low margin business. Like, this is not something I'm ever going to endeavor to do. I see myself flying in hot helicopters to different locations and selling stuff. Like, that was my ideal world, right? Um, but that didn't happen. I actually did my MBA thesis on how to recruit for um, salespeople who have a high EQ and also develop that in salespeople and how that translates to have having higher um, sales and higher margins. Um, mm-hmm. So when I left Hilti and that sales role, I actually moved into a different kind of sales role. I went into headhunting. So I got to actually apply that knowledge of, of who to look for and who would be a good fit into what area and who would succeed where. Um, and I did that for about two years until I was recruited to go work in a pharmaceutical company, um, still in HR, but really my first role in life that did not have much to do with external sales or bringing money in. So obviously in HR, you're constantly having to sell ideas. And I think that's true in any kind of a career that you have. But it was the first time that I you know, wasn't seeing numbers in front of me that could validate my success. And mm-hmm. I did that for five years. And, and that was a, a big part that um, I really didn't like about the job. Like there was nothing external. So it was always about people's opinion of my work that became whether or not I was successful, if that makes sense, rather mm-hmm. than like having a real measure for success and having a concrete measure that isn't up to anyone's interpretation. Because for me, I just, I feel like people bring so many other things to the table when they interpret something um, that, that I really didn't like about the job. So um, in 2019, I um, was rolling out a leadership development program across several different sites. And I was touring a site in North Carolina. And I was already thinking about sustainability. I'd already started brewing and I'd already started selling kombucha. kombucha. But I was, was at this particular site and they gave me a tour of um, the production area. And it was at a smaller scale than any of the other sites that I'd been on. Um, and it was kind of like they were brewing these biologics in like for a layman who hasn't seen one of these production sites before, it's like a Franzia bag that comes in the box, you know, with the plastic and um, all the levers around it. And then it gets put into a larger plastic bag with larger plastic fasteners and so on and so forth until it's, you know, in thousands of liters. And Mm -hmm. all of those plastic bags and attachment pieces that were used along the way can't actually be cleaned enough to be reused. So I asked if they were recycling it. Yeah. I didn't had no idea that it couldn't be reused beforehand. So I asked, can you recycle this? And they said, yes, technically we can. But the CO2 impact of taking it to the recycling plant, because it's so far away for this specific kind of plastic that we're using, um, is so high that it doesn't actually bring anything. So we just throw it away. And it was like a dagger in my heart. You know, I so thoroughly believed in the products that we were creating for in this particular um, company, this pharma company, we were um, doing products for patients with MS primarily. And um, yeah, I so believed passionately in what we were doing for patients. But at the same time, I couldn't combine that in my mind with doing something that I felt like was so destructive for our planet. Yeah. And at that point in time, I started having conversations with my then manager about um, an extra strategy, whether that meant, you know, 
doing something else in a different team at Biogen or um, finding another role outside of the company. So a few months later, um, I got the opportunity to do something that uh, is fantastic, actually, go on gardening leave, be paid and not have to work for three months. <laughs> it was pure magic. Um, yeah, and I spent that time visiting about 30 different uh, kombucha breweries uh, globally. And that was you know, really an amazing experience for me, being able to fly all over, meet these people, see how they're actually brewing, talking to them about random stuff, about things like putting, you know, we talked about um, Palo Santo <laughs> into kombucha, which I never dreamed about doing, but there's an amazing kombucha brewery in California that's doing exactly that. Um, yeah. And then and just getting to conceptualize. So if I'm making kombucha brewery, how is that going to look? And it turns out, so there's a, a really big producer called Hum Kombucha in the US. And um, the founder of it happened to be a friend of a friend of mine. It was a friend yeah, so it was my friend who got me into brewing kombucha actually knew this woman. Uh, her name is Michelle, and she's an absolute delight, such a warm-hearted, just lovely human being. Um, and so she agreed to have a call with me, and at the end of the call, she's like, if you're ever in the area, which happened to be Bend, Oregon, I'm sure she was not expecting me to show up at her door. She said, if you're ever around, <laughs> stop on mine. I was like, okay, fine, I'll book it. <laughs> and I did. Uh, so yeah, I, I showed up at the brewery and she gave me a tour and she couldn't actually show me where they were brewing the kombucha. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about transparency in the kombucha um, business in a, in a minute, but um, she, she did show me other parts of it. And she showed me what a million dollar bottling line looks like. And I was like, okay, I can do this. I want to get to the point where I actually have a million dollar bottling line. You know, oh, wow. that I'm producing that much kombucha and it's that successful. And I have so many people wanting my kombucha that I can actually afford to have this kind of machinery. It would be an ultimate goal for mine, for me. And um, yeah, that's kind of uh, set me down the direction of, of being able to visualize what success will look like in a few years mm. and get me marching down that path. On a side note, if anyone gets to go to Bend, Oregon, if anyone ever invites you to go to Bend, Oregon, definitely go. It is such a cool town. Have you That's ever been funny. There? I actually have. And I, I just a few years ago, I was actually at a yoga retreat very close to Bend, Oregon. So it's funny that you mention it. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And I feel like it's a bit off the beaten path. Like not a lot of people know about it. So yeah. very cool that you got to go there. I went actually right after a snowstorm and there's a river that goes through mm -hmm. Bend. And there are people surfing in yes. the river. <laughs> how why are you wow. when it's snowing out go snowboarding but yeah it was, it was that crazy. is insane <laughs> wow I think my yoga retreat was actually on that river oh really okay so cool. I know what you're talking about yeah yeah um so were you actually um when you got this opportunity to do this gardening leave did you already toy with the idea of doing this research trip before and then that came along or was that something that you decided when you got these three months off you know when I was speaking to my manager it was kind of more like a 12-month plan and then mm. he decided to leave the company about three months after we had the discussion and um mm -hmm. that kind of sped up my timeline um dramatically mm. Uh, so I was kind of thrown into it a little bit more than I was expecting, but I'm so happy that it did happen that way, that I was really hurled yeah. in the direction that I, I eventually 
would, you know, accept as the one that I was going to be on. Because I think if it happened slower, I probably would have found an excuse. You know, when yeah. you're when you're making a lot of money and you've got a great job and you have nice colleagues and that sort of thing, it's really easy to become complacent and not be hungry to create your own thing. Um, so if, if it had, you know, if he had you know, pushed off making these changes to the next manager, I probably would have found some way to to get out of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that it it happened in that way. But no, it wasn't, you know, perfectly planned out to the day. <laughs> and and I, I knew that I wanted to go down the route of doing something in sustainability and you know carving out my own role. Um, and I, I was technically speaking already selling some, some kombucha on the side because I had so many people asking me for it at that point in time. Uh, but it wasn't really that I had a business plan already written. So did the business plan just kind of evolve as, as your project evolved? Or Because I always think this is so interesting. A lot of successful entrepreneurs I know, they actually didn't have a business plan. It just kind of came about organically. So what was that process like for you? Yeah, you know, it was it was a kind of a, a figment of my imagination, a dream that I was mm -hmm. talking about. And, you know, we got a marketing team involved to design a few things for us and conceptualize a few things. And it was actually my incredibly risk adverse parents. Um, I love my parents dearly, <laughs> but we, we are very different people in, in that regard. And it was my dad being so stressed out about my future and my life and what it was that I was doing that made me finally put it on paper and show, okay, this is what the numbers could look like. And yes, it's going to be hard in the beginning, but this is going to work. Okay. <laughs> so that's uh, how that really got put down. It was, it was definitely a good thing that <laughs> he made me go down that path of like having to legitimate, legitimize what I was doing. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely think, you know, at some point in the creative process, it is always important to bring some structure, um, some structure to the party. Um, otherwise you are just kind of floating around in, in inspiration land. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And it, it was definitely a good thing I did that because, you know, it also helped me think about things like, okay, so I'm going to need a brewery for this. What does that brewery yeah. need to look like? Yeah. You know, does it need to have South facing walls, North facing windows? Like where does it need to be and what distance from my home and that sort of thing. So yeah. And what space involved and all those little things. And so at what point in this whole process, because now you have this incredible brewery space, which you showed me pictures of last week. Um, at what point in the process did that come into the picture? Um, it was pretty early on. So we moved in last May. So we founded the companies, you know, mm -hmm. signed the legal documents with the lawyers in April. And we moved in in May, officially in June. We just got to put some stuff in while they were finishing the space. Um, but it was actually, we had quite good timing. So I, I found another space at the beginning of April that I desperately wanted. And it was going to be amazing. And we got rejected from it. And it was actually quite fortuitous that we were. I always think you make your own luck, but it's pretty good when you have some spirit looking out for you to make sure that things are happening in the correct timing for you. Because about a week after um, we got rejected from the space, there was an article that came out about a different way to brew kombucha that you can control better how much alcohol is actually present in the kombucha. And so we, for the sustainability piece of what we wanted to do, we always wanted to create um, an automated tap machine where people could bring their own bottles and fill those up. Um, 
in the States, I think that's a really common concept, but in Switzerland, it didn't exist yet. And one of the reasons it didn't exist yet is because it's incredibly expensive to hire people to do things in Switzerland. So um, it, it just wasn't a viable business concept. So we had to come up with a way that it would be a fully automated machine, right? Um, so if you have it fully automated, you need to make sure that your alcohol levels are very low because children have access to it as well. And right by having this divine intervention that we didn't get our first space that we didn't buy all the equipment right away, we were able to invest in different equipment that would allow us to brew with low alcohol percentage naturally. Wow. Yeah. And, and for, for people who live in Switzerland, um, where can they um, get the kombucha from this automated tap machine? It is a very cool pop-up space called Frey Room right now in Zug. We are actually actively looking for new locations so that we can have several of these tap machines all over so everyone has access to it, not just in our small little quaint village of Zug, but you can come <laughs> to Zug right now. And there is, um, it used to be a manufacturing plant for Siemens and they moved on to super modern facility. And um, until this building gets ripped down in a few years to make um, a, a new whatever they're going to do, probably apartments or offices. Uh, it is being used for pop-up restaurants. There's um, an event hall. There is a climbing wall, trampoline spaces, all sorts of fun and amusements and a bar and everything. Um, yeah, and that's where we've got our machines. So you can stop by and get a glass if you don't have a bottle with you, or you can fill up your bottle and take that home too. It is a really, really cool space. Um, I was there with you last week and it's it's a really fun place to just hang out in for a couple of hours. Yeah. So um, one question I still wanted to ask you is, um, I know that brewing kombucha was was really a passion and a hobby of yours before you turned it into your uh, full-time job. So what I'm curious about is, what was that transition like for you to take something that you were just kind of doing for fun and for the joy of it and to actually turn it into a business? Uh, stressful. <laughs> um, Thank you for you know, the honest answer. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing something for fun, uh, you're not being very scientific about it. You're not being very planful yeah. about it. It's like, oh, you've got a batch that goes off. Yeah, whatever. You'll, you'll brew some more. Um, but all of a sudden when it becomes your business, so you know, about two or three weeks ago, we had a huge storm in Zug and um, our blinds of our brewery were broken and they were broken when they were in the down um, position. So that meant that we couldn't actually get any fresh air into the brewery and it heated up to over 30 degrees for several days. And we had oh, um, wow. over 2000 francs worth of kombucha that we had to pour down the drain. And you know that if it had happened when it was still a hobby, no big deal. But when it becomes, you know, you have clients that are looking forward to doing their kombucha and you have to tell them, no, it's going to be three more weeks or just people desperately emailing you where, where can I get my kombucha now? And you have to tell them there isn't <laughs> any, it's stressful, but um, it's also been incredibly rewarding. And uh, yeah. It's funny. That's like one of those things you would never think that the blinds breaking could be such a catastrophe. Um, but it's interesting. As soon as you have a business, like something like that can totally throw you off. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened again on Monday. <laughs> really? Just, we just, got just them, a couple of days ago. Exactly. We just got them fixed oh, again. No. It's not as big of a deal because we aren't going through a heat wave right now in Switzerland. But um, I definitely yeah. had some strong words with the electrician who was in charge of fixing them correctly the first time. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah. Hopefully now they're fixed for good. There's also, um, you know, when you're doing something for fun, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's not as competitive, but all of a sudden when you're doing right. something as a career, there's, and there are other people obviously competing in the same food and beverage and kombucha space in, in Switzerland and, um, you know, figuring out how that, making that tr- tr- transition into like having a vision and a dream for something and then, you know, having to also turn that into francs <laughs> and making yeah. money out of it um, and, and and dealing with people that are also competing in that space as well is um, an interesting journey. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. Um, and then also just, I mean, speaking on the topic of, of challenges, something I'm, I'm trying to bring more light to in this podcast is how um, certain phases of the creative process can be challenging and that it's not just all rainbows and butterflies. So are there any other moments that stand out to you during this whole process of creating this business that, that were challenging and where you really just had to kind of move through them? And it can be either like a single incident or just a challenging period that you'd like to share about. You know, one of the big challenges for me has actually been um, being a woman in the space. Mm. Um, you know, it, I don't think it touches you as much when you're when you're just doing something creatively on your own. But when you really have to turn things into a business, being taken seriously in Switzerland as a woman um, is something that I found a lot more challenging than I expected it to. And I found myself like taking men along, whether it's my dad or whether it's my partner or, you know, even just a friend along to meetings. And just watching the men that I'm meeting with decide to actually talk to that other person instead of me and me just wow. having to be okay with that. Cause it's like, okay, at least the work is getting done this way and they're taking someone seriously. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that has been quite a challenge that I wasn't expecting. When I, when I moved to Switzerland um, 11 years ago, I, I knew the statistics about uh, women in the workplace um, we have incredibly low unemployment in Switzerland. And I, I think that is maybe quite a misleading number because a lot of women um, opt to drop out of the workforce in Switzerland. You have a lot of women who after they get married or after they have children decide, actually, why bother? And we have quite high salaries in Switzerland. So, you know, it isn't unheard of to be able to make it through with just one salary, which isn't the same scenario that you have in a lot of other countries, right? So I, I think you have a lot of men who are used to just working with other men and also only wanting to see other men succeed, not maybe in a very conscious way, but definitely in an unconscious way, you know, seeing men as, you know, they can be chummy with this guy and have a laugh when this person calls them and, you know, is trying to sell something, which they don't feel like they can be with women and, and trying to, to bridge that has, has been quite a challenge. But we're working on it, and I really appreciate my clients and, and customers who, you know, aren't necessarily that way and, and have no problem working with a woman. Yeah, you know, thank you so much for for bringing light to shedding light on that. Um, it's really interesting that you're saying that because actually I was just talking about um, I was talking about the same topic with my mom the other day. Um, uh, she also built a business in Switzerland. At this point, it's been th- 33 years since she's had her business. But she was actually sharing very similar experiences to the ones that you just shared. Um, and it's interesting to me how, after listening to what you just said, how prevalent this this issue still is here. 
Yeah. You know, it's not that long ago that women actually got to start voting in Switzerland everywhere. Right. Right. (laughs) Which I feel like is one of the big, deep, dark secrets Switzerland has. Exactly. It's I mean, kind of embarrassing. Yeah. I don't want to complain about this place because, like, honestly, we live on yeah. in heaven on earth, right? Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. we do have this one big glaring flaw that I don't yeah. think that women and men have the same experience here. And and because um, I think what you get from you know social media or you know newspapers and and just everything that we're consuming from other places. Uh, which is so easy to do in the digital age that we live in, um, makes equality seem like it is something that is everywhere except maybe a couple Muslim countries, right? Like Europe has this problem solved. So I think oftentimes when women start talking about the fact that it doesn't actually feel 100% fair here yet, um, people kind of look at you a little bit like, you know, you're misinterpreting what's going on and it's probably your fault. You should be doing something differently. When actually, I, I think that there are some systemic issues in Switzerland that need to be worked through that ha- aren't just going to solve themselves. So, Right. No, I, I agree with you. Um, and you actually, um, you just brought up your partner, Ed, um, a couple of moments ago, who also works on the company with you. So one of the things I'd also still like to hear about is what that's been like to create this this business with your life partner as well. It has its ups and downs. Um, I I love it <laughs> <course>. unconditionally, right? <laughs> but <laughs> you, um, especially so uh, to to get some color to uh, what you just said. So I did the business all by myself for the first twelve months. Mm-hmm. You know, him helping obviously on on weekends and evenings where he could, but um, he's taking a little bit of a break now where he can step in and help me a little bit more. But so for the first 12 months, I had to learn very much how to be by myself for most of the day and um, go and chase after everything by myself and find that motivation and just, you know, be okay with that. And all of a sudden now I have someone who's around all the time or most of the time, right? (laughs) We do do some things apart still. Um, And that was very difficult to learn in the beginning of just, you know, having to accommodate someone else again. Um, but it is just really amazing to have diversity of thought around. So when I was in HR, um, diversity and inclusion were always at the front of my mind and, and, and working on topics to make a diverse workplace. And then when I was working by myself and, and couldn't really actually afford to get very much diversity of thought around because I, I didn't have the funds to hire anyone yet, um, I I didn't actually notice that it was gone because it was just something that I, I hold as an interesting, interesting, intrinsic value. Um, but now actually having a totally different viewpoint um, from someone who has a very different upbringing, you know, obviously he's a man, so he's coming up with things from a different angle and we just have different, you know, Myers-Briggs types, everything. We have some similarities, but we have a lot of differences as well. And just, you know, getting to even thinking about our marketing, um, he'll want to put things one way and I'll say, okay, well, if I was a woman looking at this, I I wouldn't actually understand what you're saying because you have a very male angle on it. Let's find a way that we can actually target both audience in the same piece of marketing. So yeah, that's been interesting. Yeah, I bet. And I mean, I even just so enjoyed hearing you guys talk about your marketing ideas when we met up last week. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's just such a treat to listen to. And and I just I feel like you both bring just so much um, 
also you both just bring so much humor and play to the party. It's yeah. really cool. I, I like that about us. Uh, we are not yeah. people who take things too seriously, which, you know, obviously we, we do occasionally step on each other's toes so we can um, move on from that as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, uh, we like to be optimistic and, and see things from a, a positive angle and full of humor. Yeah. And I was, I was actually just looking at your website um, a couple of hours before our conversation today. And, and I realized that, that humor and that playfulness and optimism also really shines through there. So I just, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, and yeah, of course. And, Another thing that really stands out to me about the work that you're doing is how much integrity you bring to it. I mean, I just think it's really remarkable how you strive to use pretty much all organic, um, local as much as possible ingredients. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about, you know, what that's like to have such a high standard, which is, which is really admirable. Oh, thank you. That's a very nice compliment to receive. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, it actually, it already started about five years ago when I started brewing in my own kombucha. I just wasn't happy with the types of kombucha that I could find in Switzerland. Something was different about them. And I didn't know actually what it was that companies were doing differently until I went to go do this big tour last year. It turns out that you know, what is labeled as kombucha in the store isn't always what you envision. So if you Google how to make kombucha, it's not always that that you're you're buying. And there's some really great brands out there, like for instance, GTs, which is the biggest brand in the US that is, well, actually, I should qualify this by saying they say they still do it in a very traditional way. They are not actually transparent in how they, they won't let anyone go into their brewery that is not employee of theirs. So there's no, <laughs> there's no documented evidence that they're doing yeah. it this way, but it tastes very authentic. You can definitely tell in the okay. taste. Um, yeah. but so that there are some challenges in kombucha brewing. I, I mentioned, um, alcohol content, uh, beforehand, and there's something called acetic acid that develops in kombucha that a lot of people don't like the taste of. It's also present in vinegar. Mm. So if you have a kombucha that tastes a lot like vinegar, um, it's because it is high in acetic acid and probably a very authentically made kombucha. But it turns out, yes, like I said, that there's no definition of what kombucha is other than in Brazil. So if you're living in Brazil, listening to this, first of all, lucky you for finding the podcast. And secondly, lucky <laughs> you for living in a place where you actually know what you're drinking in your kombucha. Um, but yeah, there are brands on the market in Switzerland right now that um, are selling kombucha and putting kombucha on the front. But if you look on the back label, it's only 8% kombucha. And that's actually already a high level of transparency compared to other brands that are doing things like filtering their kombucha or using a kombucha concentrate or even watering down the kombucha. So one way that you can drop the alcohol content of kombucha is by adding in some bubbly water or some unfermented tea, but you actually need quite a lot of it. So if you have 1% alcohol in your kombucha and you're trying to drop it down to an alcohol-free beverage, you, it means you have to add equal parts water and kombucha in order to get to that level. So oftentimes yeah, what you're buying just isn't actually what you're paying to receive. And we are the only commercially available brewery that I know of right now in Switzerland that is producing kombucha that um, is 100% you pay for what you're getting. So that means after we've brewed our kombucha um, for two to four weeks, it always depends a little bit on temperature, how long it takes. Uh, we take it out of the original brewing vessel, leave some behind as a starter culture for the next batch. 
we take out, we mix. So um, you said an elderflower lime and mint was your favorite flavor. So we actually yeah. literally put in elderflowers, limes and mint, and we have a little bit of an elderflower syrup to really up the flavor of the elderflower into another brewing vessel. We let it infuse with those flavors and then we take those um, ingredients out again. So you're really getting 100% infused kombucha, not something that has a whole bunch of water in it, not something that is just, you know, 20% fruit juice. It's real kombucha full of probiotics, vitamins, and enzymes. So cool. So also, I mean, this raspberry ginger I have in front of me, you, you used actual fresh raspberries and actual fresh ginger, right? Uh, it's actual fresh organic ginger and it is organic mm -hmm. raspberries, but the batch you're sipping on right now, I think was actually made out of frozen raspberries because we couldn't find any organic <laughs> ones for that batch. <laughs> I were... love that you know this. <laughs> I mean, I'm... that just shows how closely connected you are to your product. That's so cool. I'm very much looking forward to the day that I don't know it down to that level of specificity, but <laughs> right now we do. Yeah. Well, actually, that's another question I had for you. So if I understand correctly, you are still currently hands-on brewing, um, and then you're also, you know, running all the nuts and bolts, bolts in terms of, of your business. Um, I mean, you're basically doing every aspect of the Swiss, Swiss kombucha company, um, because it's just you and Ed, right? Yeah. So we've started hiring some employees right now. Um, we actually thought it was going to be, um, harder than it actually ended up being. We had a really great recommendation from, um, one of the local restaurants that, uh, sells our kombucha. And so we have one person who comes in um, a half a day to work with us on that. And then we have um, another girl who's going to start with us soon. Um, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing the story, but it's absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. She really has a passion for kombucha. She once got fired from a job for drinking kombucha. <laughs> Sounds like your perfect employee. <laughs> I know, right? She told me that about 45 minutes. Wait, the how did that I like, happen? I know. It's completely bizarre. Uh, so she was drinking kombucha on the job and her employer saw her and was like, that's an alcoholic beverage. You can't be drinking that. And she's what? like, no, it says it's an alcohol-free beverage. It's less than 0.5%. Uh, but because it even had trace amounts of alcohol. So like to give a little bit of context to that, if you were to take a glass of orange juice out of your fridge now, leave it on the counter until tomorrow morning, you'd have about 0.8% uh, alcohol in that glass just from mm -hmm. the sugars fermenting. So to have it be below 0.5%, but still getting fired for drinking an alcoholic drink, drink is just, you know, the odds. Yeah, wow, that is such a bizarre. And I love that she ended up with you guys. I know, right? So I was really impressed by her. She, um, a few months ago, uh, reached out to us. She had had our kombucha in a restaurant and she was just blown away by the taste and loved the fact that she had mm. authentic kombucha again in Switzerland. And uh, so she wrote me and yeah, I was like, okay. Whenever we can make this happen, let's do this. That's very cool. So both of these people are working in terms of brewing the kombucha or? Uh, no, that will still be me for a little while. Okay. It's going to take a little while until I trust someone else to do that. Although I am letting Ed take on a few bits of it here and there. Um, As Mr. But, Bubbles. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. For a bit of contest, Ed actually has a costume where he dresses yeah. up as Mr. Bubbles and becomes one of our bottles of kombucha. <laughs> Um, it's awesome <laughs> yeah. but no they're doing more like uh, so to to brew anything really well it's about 80 percent cleaning so they're going to be helping me wow. with cleaning they've already been doing a whole bunch of bottling that sort of thing so yeah 
Wow. But I mean, this is still a lot of, you're still doing a big chunk of the work. So what that, what is that like for you just on, on a day to day? Like, how do you find, find time to address everything that needs addressing? Um, with anything creative, I think you have to really learn to prioritize the work and learn to not sweat the small stuff. If I'm 100% honest with you right now, I have no idea where my house keys are, my brewery keys, or my car keys. <laughs> and that's just the small stuff that I'm just not going to sweat right now because I've got bigger fish to fry and I know Ed can let me into the apartment and into the brewery and we've got a second car key. I've already ordered another <laughs> one of them. <laughs> you can always solve those things quite easily with a phone call. Um, but yeah, it's the, the bigger issues are the ones where you just have to you know, learn how to focus and if something falls to the side, understand that you're going to have time to pick it up later and you just have to move forward. Um, Ed and I, you, you mentioned before um, that we have a sense of positivity around us. Another thing that I really like about the two of us is that we are really action oriented. We don't want, neither of us is, has the mindset to complain about and sit and focus on things that have gone wrong. We, when something goes wrong, we're thinking about, okay, how do we stop this from happening again? And how do we move forward from it? Um, like we, the other day, we just broke something in the brewery. And uh, so we looked at the problem and decided, okay, we need to use a couple of cable ties to hold this in place so it doesn't fall again and we don't end up breaking it. That's sort of a mindset of not like you know, passing blame, um, but being able to move forward and, and march on as it were. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and, you know, I also think that's really great advice to not sweat the small stuff, because I think um, if you are over obsessing over the little details, you really don't get any further in the creative process. And it is really more about focusing on the big picture and um, prioritizing what's truly important. Yeah. And, you know, I think another bit of it for me is learning to um, park my ego. So that that is something that I have to keep relearning and relearning all through life. And I think that ego has a way of sneaking up on you all the time. But, you know, so when, when COVID hit before COVID, I was always thinking, you know, people ask me all the time, can you do home delivery? Like we hadn't figured out yet how to get shipping materials so that we could ship cold kombucha and make sure that it arrived cold at the end consumer and not broken bottles and all that sort of stuff. Right. So it was mm -hmm. like, no, I have an MBA. I'm not going to be driving this stuff around people. Like clearly not. <laughs> and then COVID hits and it's like, okay, well, I've got to be driving this stuff around to people. And lo and behold, it has turned into a massive revenue stream for us. People love being able to call That's up nice. and me saying, okay, yeah, I'll deliver it on my next route to Lucerne on Tuesday. And yeah, it just, you know, being able, and in that particular scenario, I, I was forced into you know, parking my ego for a moment and realizing what potential was there without my ego. But uh, yeah. And I bet it's also kind of cool to connect with your customers in that way. So much fun. I have internet yeah. friends now. I have really, yeah, I have friends that I have made through yeah. Instagram and have now met in person. That is so, that is so cool, which few people can say of their Instagram friends. I know, right? I think it's so crazy. And that's something I was warned against for the majority of my life. And right. Now, I know, right? Yeah, I, I, I Don't meet my, up with people you know on the right? internet. <laughs> Never. Yeah. 
Um, occasionally, when I have a new customer, I, I bring Ed along with me for the, the delivery, just in case I get murdered so someone <laughs> knows where I last was. Um, but yeah, like I, I schedule my routes mm-hmm. now so that, oh, I have so-and-so to talk to today. I'll make sure that's at the end so I'm not stressed out and I can like hang out for 15 minutes and say hi. It's <laughs> so cool. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, one thing you brought up when we met up last Friday was how, especially in the past few months, you've been putting more energy towards cultivating more balance in your life. So I just love for you to speak on that, especially as someone who, you know, who is so busy running this, this vibrant company. Yeah. You know, um, being an entrepreneur, um, and having to learn to prioritize, I had to, also learn the hard way over the last 18 months about how to prioritize my own health and wellness and, and, and personal balance. And it's been an evolving journey, really. So um, I, I remember last November, it was uh, a good friend of mine's birthday, and we ended up meeting up at the end of the day and had a few too many glasses of wine. And I woke up the next morning, and I was like, I have so much to do, I need to give up drinking anything. It's not like I had a problem with it. I just, I don't have the time anymore to ever be hung over again. So I just, yeah, until, you know, I, I build this company to a point where I can have a lot of staff that I can rely on to be in the brewery early in the morning, even if I'm not there, I, I don't think that wine <laughs> is going to be in my life. And yeah. uh, having to learn that yeah, what things bring me energy and what things take energy away from me and, and learning to prioritize the things that bring me energy. So about six weeks ago, I had to uh, really evaluate the food that I was eating. Um, so I, I made the choice to become all plant-based because I, I found that I just had more energy that way. Um, and also prioritizing fitness again. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think COVID had a big role to play in um, not being as um, active as I used to be. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up walking around I do about, I would say about 15,000 steps just in the brewery alone and doing deliveries and meeting customers and clients all day long. So when it comes to doing a run, I kind of see like, oh, did I already do my exercise today? Do I really need to prioritize this? And and the answer is yes. (laughs) I do actually need to make time for fitness, even if I am up and active all the time, because otherwise I don't feel like I have enough energy to get everything done. And um, so I said, I I made this change about six weeks ago. I needed to learn also that I could rely on Ed to get things done when I wasn't around and just decide, okay, I might not actually make as much money this week, but I'm going to take an hour or two and go to a yoga class and just learn to be present again and learn to make that a priority. It wasn't easy, but um, we're making some success in that general direction and I'm starting to feel like myself again so that's good Mm, that's beautiful and I mean it's also just such a good reminder to anybody because the more yourself that you feel the more you can then again bring um to your to your business or to whatever you're working on 100 percent. I have definitely noticed that the way that customers are um interacting with me and engaging in me and their willingness to um you know, speak to me, (laughs) even has completely changed in the last six weeks as I've grown to be myself again. I'm, I'm not feeling like I have to force a situation. I'm just me showing up. And that's good. How interesting. Yeah. 
Wow. Wow. And I can say, actually, since I started doing this, August was our best month ever, 25% over our last best month ever. So I think it works. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I'm so glad you say that because I think a lot of people, they, they do have a fear and understandably so that, you know, if they devote more time again to themselves and take time, quote, quote unquote, take time off work, they're actually going to make, you know, they're going to lose out. But that's so awesome to hear that you actually gained. Yeah, no, 100%. And it is not at all as I, what I was expecting. I was 100% just going to accept the fact that it just wasn't going to be as good of a month, but I just needed to do this. And it turned out to be fantastic. And I'm so happy also that I didn't make an excuse to wait and put this off. It would have been easy for me to say, okay, you know, probably in November, our sales will go down. I'll, I'll take time for myself then and push it out. But if I had done that, I'm sure that I would be a burned out, exhausted, probably injured mess. So, yeah. Mm, very cool. Very cool. Um, so we're approaching our quick fire round. But before we dive into that, there's still two questions I want to ask you. So the first one is, this podcast is called the Creative Manifestation Podcast. So I'd just love to hear from you if you have any advice to the listeners who, you know, if someone's in, in, in a place of wanting to manifest their creative, creative ideas and bring them to life, what kind of advice would you give them? Just get on with it and do it. I mentioned Hum, hum Kombucha before. Um, mm -hmm. They did a complete rebrand of their product three years in after they were called, I think it was something like, mama kombucha or something like that mm. and they rebranded it to hum kombucha and they've had a lot of success under that they didn't lose any clients because they changed the name and i think a lot of people get hung up on making things so perfect in the beginning um but yes you, know, you can't let perfect be um the demise of the good or whatever that expression happens to be you just kind of got to get on with it and go out there and try so you know one of the first times that I had to divorce my ego from the situation was right <laughs> in the beginning of kombucha. You know, I was looking for um, people to sell my kombucha. So different restaurants and bars that would carry it. And my mom's like, well, you know, why don't you just go to the farmer's market? And again, I was like, mother, I cannot be selling things at a farmer's market. I have an MBA for God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> and put my big girl panties on and I got myself down to the market anyway. And she came out to help <laughs> me that day. And it was so amazing Aww. to just talk to customers and hear their feedback, whether it was good or bad. You know, in the same day, I had one client who was like, oh, this is so spicy and gingery. You need to take the ginger down. The next person who wanted <laughs> to sample heard that person say it. As soon as that person walked away, she was like, I have no idea what that person is talking about. This isn't spicy enough. Add more ginger. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't really know how to combine those two pieces of feedback, but like learning that you can't please everyone is also a good yeah. lesson. And maybe the person who wants it less spicy is just going to have to water down their kombucha if they want their probiotic enzyme rich kombucha from me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you <laughs> just kind of like got to produce something, get it out there, get some feedback and also realize that you don't have to have it all figured out straight out of the gate. I mean, I shared a story with you where I actually had a bottle of kombucha explode not once, but twice, all yes. over a potential customer. Absolutely mortifying experience. Oh, but <laughs> what I did after that <laughs> was I called up one of the really nice brewers who I had met on my tour breweries. And I was like, I can't believe this happened. I have to figure this out. And he was like, okay, you got to do X, Y, and Z. 
And that's how you're going to solve the problem. And he was 100% right. And I haven't had it happen again. So yeah, just have to do it. Get to the problems because yeah. they're all part of the process. You know, I, I so agree with you. And I think um, just doing it is not only great in terms of moving your project along and actually, you know, getting things done, but also it's so much more fun. It's so much more fun than just getting stuck in, in trying to perfect something and never actually going out there and just doing the darn thing. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you've heard this your whole life, too, that life is about the journey, not about the destination. Yeah. And it's a it's yeah. the same way in a project that applies here, too. You know, this I, I can envision what my kombucha brewery will be like when it's making 10 million a year that would be nice mm -hmm. um and and how that will putting feel, it out there Gina. right yeah <laughs> put that on the vision board um yeah. and, and I, I i can think all i want to about that but there's so much interesting learning to do along the way and amazing people to meet and and figuring out how things work that are really a lot more interesting than having this perfect thing at the end yeah so true. Mm -hmm. So before we dive into our quick fire round, the last question I still have is, um, and all this information is going to be in the show notes, but first of all, where can listeners go to learn about the Swiss Kombucha Company? Um, and for any listeners who are in Switzerland, where, where can they actually buy your kombucha? So we are expanding right now. You can buy it online. We ship everywhere in Switzerland. Um, we also are still doing home delivery, even though people have started going back into the world and back out to work. Um, we're still delivering in central Switzerland on Tuesdays and on Fridays. So, you know, if you place an order and you're in central Switzerland, I'll stop by your door and I'll, I'll meet you and deliver your kombucha. Please don't murder me. Um, <laughs> but also, I don't have Ed with you, right. so it's okay. <laughs> um, but if you also scroll down to the bottom of our website, you'll see a map of all the locations. We're constantly updating that. We've got three new locations this week alone, so it's gonna pop wow, up congrats. somewhere close to you inevitably. Um, but yeah, you can also tell your local restaurant or cafe or your work canteen that you really want to have amazing probiotic rich unfiltered unpasteurized natural kombucha and tell them to get in contact with me and i'm always happy to um, talk to new people and your website is swisskombuchacompany.ch right yep and kombucha is spelled k-o-m-b-u-c-h-a before you know someone listens to this podcast and is like she's not saying kombucha right i know but i don't actually care how people say it as long as they're trying the wonderful drink <laughs> Wait, what is the right way of saying it? You know, it is an over 2,000-year-old product, so I don't uh -huh. actually think that there is a right way to say it. We're saying it right. in a lot of different languages, but a lot of purists believe that one should be saying it. Kombucha. Really? Yes. But no well, one says it that way anymore. I know, and I feel like or at least sounds... that's the first time I've heard that. Not, not that that's a bad thing, but I mean, language is an evolving entity, and... and... I've only heard people say kombucha ever. It's more fun to say kombucha than kombucha. You sound pretentious <laughs> yeah. when you do that. It does. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. Are you ready for your quick fire round, Gina? <sighs> as ready as I'm going to be. Let's just do it. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Um, what is your favorite creativity inspiring snack? 
My favorite creativity inspiring snack has recently changed. I found out I have an allergy to chocolate, which is something that no. I just, I know. How can you live in Switzerland, oh, no. right? But I have just, I, this is going to change soon. So, you know, I'm not some sort of weirdo, but I have really been enjoying apples lately. Like rediscovering cool. them, thought I didn't like them for years, rediscovering them. They're great if you can't eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, Replacing or, chocolate with, yeah. Uh, or, or kombucha, of course, if that counts as a snack. <laughs> totally counts. I've, I've had people say gin and tonic on this show. So, you know, anything goes. Anything great. Goes. Let's go with kombucha then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I'm most um, when is your peak creative time? In the morning, afternoon, evening, or at night? I don't think any I, uh, a specific time frame. I think it's for particular activity. I really often go for a run um, and, and call Ed during the run and I say, write this down because I'm going to forget it by the time I come home, but this is absolutely genius. Mm-hmm. So it is doing some sports. Yeah, that I, that makes total sense. I mean, people also say that, yeah, during during a physical activity or during taking a shower, that's when they sometimes get their best ideas. So yeah, um, that's very common. Yeah. Um, coffee or kombucha? Kombucha all the way. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Strawberry, cherry, mint, raspberry, ginger, lime, elderflower, mint, or natural? I am a strawberry, cherry, mint girl myself. Although this oh, does change. It. For a while, I was strictly raspberry ginger. I've never, okay. our best-selling flavor, the elderflower lime and mint, I've never been a huge fan of, if I'm honest. Really? Yeah, everyone else loves it, but huh. I'll, I could do without it. Interesting. <laughs> the only one. And yeah. by the way, for the listeners who have no idea why I just said those things, those are all the kombucha flavors that yeah. Gina currently has. <laughs> And you guys always have a seasonal one as well, right? Yeah. Right now it's elderberry. Um, my favorite okay. of the seasonal so far was actually the turmeric, carrot, and ginger, which just flew Ooh. out of the tap machine. So hopefully we'll be doing that one again soon. Ooh. I love anything with turmeric and anything with ginger. So that sounds incredible. I'll let you know, know as soon sounds as it's so on good. the tap machine. Oh, yeah, please do. I'll stop by Zook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What kind of music stirs your creativity? That one also is so just based on the mood, the temperature, how much sun there's out. Um, I listen to a lot of music that I used to listen to in high school. But then, you know, if if jazz comes on the radio, I can't turn it off and move on. And Amy Winehouse, Mm. like I would never, ever switch the next song when it's Amy Winehouse singing. Does your kombucha get to listen to music while it's being brewed? All the time. We actually have a drum set in the brewery. So um, Ed and I, yeah, we haven't actually had a show in ages. So I don't know if I can say we are in a band. I think we were in a band Uh is more accurate. Um, But I sing and Ed is an absolutely amazing drummer. He's the best drummer I've ever worked with in my entire life. And I've worked with quite a few. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so our kombucha is constantly being treated by Ed's. Um, music. I feel like this is the secret ingredient. Yeah, it's a lot of love and some music. Yeah, I love it. Um, My my neighbor in the brewery, he always says he knows when I arrive in the brewery because he can feel the bass. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what does your neighbor do? Um, They do pneumatic machines. They like fix pneumatic machines. 
So it's not like they're trying to, like, they're super concentrated on no, something. No, no, it's, it's not like okay. an office. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and final question, what does creativity mean to you? I think creativity for me is um, a way to express yourself and to get through life and what it means kind of to be human. Beautiful. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show, Gina. This was a lot of fun. I've never had a recorded hour-long conversation. I'm loving it. Really? Yeah. I might start doing this with all my conversations. Aww. <laughs> just record it and then exactly. edit back. it afterwards for fun? <laughs> yeah, just for giggles. <laughs>